0: Fresh Economic Thinking Podcast, New Ideas and Analysis with Dr. Cameron Murray and Jonathan Gadir. G'day Cameron. Hey Jonathan, how have you been? I've been, well I'm alright now, but I had the Rona, I had COVID. Um you've had it now? Which was, mm. Yeah, now I'm good, now I'm good, now I'm fine.
1: Well that's not good to hear, but it's nice that you've uh, bounced back and ready to... Uh, Record this podcast together.
0: Straight to the Barney of the week, then. Uh, what's your Barney?
1: Well, I think uh, since you recently recovered from COVID, I think this week's Barney should be uh, about COVID and the crazy arguments I've had. For example, with uh, John Quiggan at UQ, a professor who's uh, blocked me on uh, on Twitter for uh, pointing out some of the crazier things that him and many others have been saying about how we should organize it organize our society because of covid so
0: it's quite um, amusing that an academic does you know blocks another academic aren't you supposed to be able to just have arguments and just be cool <laughs> with it look
1: i'm not saying uh i'm i'm blameless here i've certainly prodded uh, prodded him, and I'm sure there were thousands of others there as well. And I think it's you know it's good for his uh, his personal well being to block generously on social media. But so you think, you were
0: kind of being annoying, were you? You were just kind of like oh look, I this? just what about that?
1: Just retweeting the crazy things he he would say. For example, uh, uh in January, I actually had COVID in January, and my whole family had COVID, and uh, we bounced back pretty quick and. At the time, uh, Quiggan was talking on online about the return to university of in-person instruction and, and railing about the lack of masks and needing two to three to four to five vaccinations for every student lest they risk the lives of their uh, professors by attending the campus, uh, which made no sense, of course, because if you'd followed the data: pe- young people, like healthy university students in their twenties, are uh, uh, tiny, tiny risks uh, for COVID. Many thousands of times less risky than in the elderly. And of course, um, if you're a university academic, it's in many ways your choice to show up to that environment. Not, you know, y- you should be looking after your health. Uh, and letting the tens of thousands of students look after their health um, based on their risks. So I, I found it really, you know, really bizarre the way he went on and on about uh, sort of controlling uh, the lives of the students for the benefits of, of the, the academics when I think the risks were you know, completely in the wrong ballpark. And, and even now, many people today are still going on about COVID and how we must do something, despite the Shanghai lockdowns, despite the fact that we did already lockdown for two years and we still have COVID today, somehow there's just this residual anxiety or panic that won't go away. And I I do worry this winter uh, whether uh, any Australian governments might find it advantageous to, to sort of nurture that panic.
0: So John Quiggin's tweeted something from Crikey about six thousand Australians having died from COVID this year. I think his point being, you know, is this really living with it, with all these people dying? Um, and uh, you know, it's about how the country's marginalised and more likely to die from from COVID. Do you have a, sort of a, a a take on this? Was this part of your Barney?
1: Yeah, look, this is part of part of the same um argument is that yes everybody dies from something at some point we see huge seasonal deaths uh, every year uh, in the winter from colds and flus and other things that uh, that are the final straw for many of the elderly so the question really is not um are a lot of people dying because 160,000 people die in australia every year (laughs) the question is is are seven thousand people dying uh, with COVID uh, instead of with something else uh, uh, at a similar point in their life? While is it better that that happens or the whole of society is shut down indefinitely? And that's the trade-off. And I just don't think um, for an economist he's really thinking about the trade-offs. And I've have written about many- Is that
0: fair? Is, is he saying the trade-off shutting down society or is it that we should all wear masks and be forced to be vaccinated? Is that the trade-off?
1: But that's not the trade-off. That's the thing. The All the evidence, we have been masked, everybody is vaccinated and now we have COVID deaths. So, the, you know... Just because you want something to be true or you want to feel like you're doing something doesn't mean you should do that thing or it's effective. We we are the most vaccinated. Do we remember when we said the way out of this is vaccination? We've got to just keep punishing people till we get more vaccinations and then we'll be free. Do you remember that last year? Were you in the, uh, yeah, I know yeah, my I Victorian friends remember. And, uh, and so now we're there. We didn't. We did exactly what they said, and this is the outcome. And now, for some reason, despite the evidence, we are still, uh, well, many people are still saying, well, you know, we've got to do what China did, maybe, or we've got to wear masks indefinitely. Even though now the CDC, for example, says, oh, you know, cloth masks don't really do anything at all. Maybe surgical masks are slightly better, but we still don't really even know. What kind of uh, policy approach is that? Would you like your doctors to do surgery on you when they're like, oh, we don't really know if this will work or not? We, we've tried it and it never worked before, but we're still, still going to give it to you because we think it's the right thing to do. You would never, you would never go, yeah, please cut me open now. Let's do this. Yet when we take a step back and think about the collective uh, and this policy, for some reason, that's that sort of evidence, flies or the lack of evidence uh, flies so I I don't know what John is doing I feel like maybe he's dug himself a hole I know many people have dug themselves a hole but what I have found interesting this year is I've had quite a few people contact me and and apologize for having a go at me when for example I was on Q&A last year and I said we don't need to vaccinate children the risk of the virus is much lower than you think Um, we should be getting on with our lives obviously i was a granny killer social media went nuts my university who had talked up my appearance on q a suddenly went quiet and people who you know had a go at me then have since come out and said you know you're right like clearly nothing that we've done has worked we should have just got on with life um oh good on them for
0: you know just being able to admit that you know
1: It is great. It's great to see that most people, your average person, um, is pretty good, I think, at weighing up the evidence they see before them. Um, And, and
0: John, if you're listening, um, you know, unblock Cameron and let's have more proper debate on all this stuff. Yeah, let's do that. (laughs) Okay, so let's get to our meaty topic of substance for discussion uh, today on fresh economic thinking. What are we doing today?
1: Uh, We're going to do food waste and and waste in general and our attitude to i think in new south wales they've just banned plastic bags is that right
0: yeah well the next step of the yeah plastic bag banning the 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 small ones that you know non-supermarket stores give out um which i'm okay with even though it's inconvenient Uh, i think you know we need to and, and all this you know we need to get moving on this and the plastic cutlery and all that um it's inconvenient but yeah i think it's one of those things that. Unlike some other environmental measures, seems to have, you know, a real benefit.
1: I was very keen on a lot of these uh, environmental policy tweaks. These little tweaks that seem like they're going to um, provide quite, quite direct, large benefits. And I, that I am a big fan of direct policy intervention. Um, uh, if you want, for example. Uh, to preserve wildlife habitats. Um, you don't tell people, oh, please, um, please stop eating this or drive less or you know, wear hemp clothes instead of cotton or whatever the case may be that you think has some kind of indirect effect of land use. You just draw a line on a map and make a rule that says inside this area, it's a wildlife habitat. I like those direct things. So the plastic bag ban, the plastic straw ban, feel to me in my gut like some kind of direct benefit but the question i i have is what environmental uh problem are we solving do you know what it, the this is about is it about littering and plastic bags in the ocean is that the um justification yeah because, yeah cuz i know for the straws you've seen the pictures of turtles with straws stuck in their nose or birds well with- yeah and
0: also like isn't it isn't it like now quite well studied that even like every living thing including us like we we've got like micro particles of plastics throughout our organs because and then like just the exponential growth in this stuff is absolutely um unsustainable like in terms of the toxicity um and yeah. the destruction of yeah, animals and then yeah and so environment. I guess but, yeah.
1: The way I approach this is to ask, is this a big effect? So uh we can sort of see, yeah, there'd be an effect, fewer plastic bags. Um, you know, if everybody put their plastic bags in the bin and their plastic straws in the bin and we put them all in landfill and they were contained, then we wouldn't have to ban them. Do we agree with that? Do you think? That makes sense to me. No. why? Well,
0: really? Why? What, why does it matter where if, where, why, if they're in a bin or not?
1: Well, uh, if you've put all your plastic bags in a landfill and covered it in, surely that's a good place for plastic to go where animals won't end up digesting it and nor humans. Is that not mm. a um, good solution?
0: I don't know. It assumes that, like, well, I guess in theory, if the landfill is perfectly safe, but like, landfills are not like they leak and they get into waterways and they're not this perfect sort of solution that is self contained and not connected to the rest of soil and and, and water.
1: Yeah, that's definitely true. And that's why we don't like putting oils and things like that in and, and heavy metals in landfills. I guess the way I see it is if you want to talk about waste management, you've got to have a cohesive view of what waste is and what's good or bad. And uh-huh. so if landfill is bad, the question is, well, every object we produce has a fixed lifetime of its use or your clothes all your furniture, your buildings, you name it. It has a fixed lifetime. And after that, Fixed lifetime, it's waste, it's rubbish. So every object humanity has ever produced has become waste at some yeah. point. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. And so the question is well, if we want less waste, we should maybe produce fewer objects. And that's sort of, you know, one of my intuitive ideas is maybe, maybe we're overproducing and we are. Sacrificing, for example, leisure time for work time, and the thing that we do with that is we buy goods and services rather than enjoy social interactions. Um, Yeah. So maybe that's true, but the point is, if everything you produce in ever is going to be waste, then then how can it be a problem? Everything you've produced is good; it was there for a good reason. So I think you need to be a bit more clear about when is waste a problem and when is it not i think that's the question so for the plastic bags okay if plastic bags are in the ocean that seems like a problem to me if plastic bags are in a landfill that's reasonably well lined and and you know things aren't just blowing off the top of it into the creeks then i think that's a good place for it and so banning the plastic bags yeah maybe there's fewer plastic bags so fewer end up in the creeks and rivers but also it's the case that better waste management and and essentially keeping our cities tidier so that stuff doesn't wash down off the streets and people don't leave litter um that also has the same effect in my view um but it's not you know we used to have that you know clean up australia day the anti-litter campaigns all that sort of stuff to me that's the same same effect but i think at the end of the day you have to accept that everything we make is waste and we need to be comfortable with what we're doing with it what's good and what's bad and for me putting digging a big hole and putting materials in it um, is a good solution and it took me a while to be honest to come around to that view that digging a big hole and putting things in it is good, that recycling might be good, might not be, sort of depends on the relative value of the materials. Um, So, yeah, the plastic bag ban is is a weird one for me um, because you've got to think also that plastic bags are a useful thing. If we don't use plastic bags, what are we going to do? Well, we can use those... Uh, what's the alternative one you get at Coles and Woolworths? That woven. Yeah, those
0: biodegradable ones. Oh, those woven ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, you know, they're much you know, they're much uh more resource intensive to make. Um, they also need to be disposed of somewhere. They're more likely obviously to be in landfill than not, so I'm more comfortable with that. Um, but yeah, that's yeah, I think the issue is a lot more subtle than we, we yeah, banning plastic bags solves solves some pollution. Just have a think about the floods, for example, in in southeast Queensland and northern New South Wales recently. The amount of waste and debris that got washed into our oceans there is probably orders of magnitude larger than centuries worth of the effect of a plastic bag ban in terms of stopping rubbish getting into the oceans so the question then is well we've you know put all this devoted all this effort and hype to banning plastic bags what about heavy rain how do we stop stuff getting into the rivers are there direct ways we can um, I know in Brisbane there are trials of nets on drains to scoop up rubbish that gets washed down
0: So um, let's talk a bit about food waste, because there is a lot of um, kind of virtue signaling, if if you want to call it that, about how terrible it is that we uh, waste so much food. And sort of on a human level, if you see a supermarket throwing out heaps of food and then you've got homeless people on the street nearby, uh, it is irrational and it's kind of like one of those very visceral points at which the irrational irrationality of capitalism is visible Mm -hmm. as in you've got stuff but it's just not it's not a feasible thing for it to just be given to the people who need it because that's not how our system works um but i think you've got a slightly different take on waste and i've read you writing that food waste is good to have food waste it's sort of a it's a positive sign talk talk me through that
1: Yeah. So the the interesting link to that um, plastic bags and packaging waste is that the the packaging industry does two things. It markets the product, but it also preserves the product. And so there is a trade-off that if you want more food preserved and more um, uh, better efficient use of the food that you grow, you need more packaging and hence more waste uh, packaging waste which is i think uh, under acknowledged but in terms of overall food waste yeah that's there's a real big push i I don't know if you've seen the ads in brisbane we have a billboard um, campaign about food waste is worse than flying for the environment for um, greenhouse gas emissions and there's many campaigns like that but the 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 catch is that you need a buffer of food production you need to produce much more food than you consume in a year so that implies that there's going to be food waste either crops are going to be plowed back in on the farm uh, at distribution steps there's going to be food waste and after the retailing of food there'll be waste in the home after you know after you have dinner, you throw out your scraps or your leftovers go bad, you throw it out and at the supermarket. So at all those steps, you need a buffer, you need some waste. And why do I say that? Um, think, think of a world with zero food waste, okay? So every, every berry, nut, <laughs> grain uh, or animal produced or farmed Is eaten by humans and then imagine there is a flood and it wipes out a decent proportion of food production in that world the number of calories consumed by humans goes down exactly by the amount that the food production goes down there is no buffer so if we are eating a couple of thousand calories a day and that year's food production goes down 25 percent well 25 percent fewer calories and how those are distributed amongst the population yeah it's going to be proportionate to your wealth and power so it's terrible it's terrible for poor people uh we had societies like that in the past where you know you lived off the land and you could only you ate everything you got and and starvation was real so you've got to think about food waste as a buffer a buffer stock and there is no way to avoid it we can't insure for it we can't just take out an insurance policy and say hey if there's no food this year can you pay me cash because there's no food you can't buy any mm-hmm. with the cash right so that's mm-hmm. my that's my point is that um i used to also be very concerned about waste and food waste and i used to buy into this And I and it's great that we can find productive uses for waste we can compost it we can you know i Compost things, we give scraps to the dog. Yeah, we try and do useful things uh with food waste, but sometimes you can't. I used to I used to do dumpster diving. Do you know what that is?
0: Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So People you, that were involved with me at the permaculture garden at UNSW, some of them were into
1: that. So I used to go to the supermarket dumpster uh at night when it was all closed and go and get the food and the items that they'd throw out and uh, we had an Aldi near us which was especially good because they'd throw out those Aldi specials in the middle so you'd end up with random you know I had I got steel cap boots and baby clothes and you know um, random things for the garden and um, it was it was amazing but at the end of the day it was still actually very difficult to make use of those things It was difficult for aldi so they threw it out because it wasn't worth them um you know it wasn't worth them trying to distribute it to another store to sell those non-perishable products and the food it's also very hard to eat you know 10 kilos of cabbages (laughs) or whatever the case may be with you and your neighbors uh in a very timely manner um so we found that we ended up throwing a lot of the stuff out ourselves. And so that makes you question well, you know, they threw it out, we think they're wasteful and we're being really great. We get a few things, but at the end of the day, we kind of throw it out or give it away or you know, maybe they were right that that at that point that that was the most appropriate thing to do with those items. Uh so yeah, that's the um that's the uh lesson there is that you know sometimes you just can't do it and it's it's good Yeah, if you want lots of choice and options in your food supply system you're going to have to be wasteful and maybe we'll talk about it another day but i've always said the great thing about capitalism is how wasteful it is how many options we have to do different things it's not because it's Mm -hmm. efficient it's because it's robust it gives us variety and options
0: what people are upset about with when it comes to food waste I think because you're talking about effectively surplus yeah you're saying Mm -hmm. it's great to have surplus the the um immoral thing that people are pointing to when they talk about food waste is that they're pointing to the immoral way that it's not uh that that surplus is not distributed to people that have a real human need for it and the other thing the other immoral thing people are pointing to is that the that we're producing stuff that doesn't meet human needs, it's going to produce you know, things that you know rich people like to pay for. I don't know, like you know, you're yeah. being a little bit like kind of deliberately contrarian in kind of ignoring that that's what people mean when they talk about,
1: yeah, no, look, waste. there's still, yeah, so there's two issues one's the aggregate production, and I'm that's my argument that in aggregate, regardless of the distribution. Uh, you need this surplus food, and you're going to have to waste you know, half the food you produce. Uh, in terms of the distribution, you know this is always just a question of um, providing money to people who don't have it, who can buy food because we have so much surplus food. That is the the question, and if you're worried about the the international inequality. Um, then we should lobby for policies that essentially give money to poor countries we should uh, give them free uh, tractors and machines Uh, we should pay for people to go over and work there to accelerate their production of food and we should give the poor in those countries money Um, because the the question is not how does how do the leftover foods from supermarkets in Sydney or Brisbane get to poor people in the Philippines or Indonesia or the Pacific Islands? Because that's just not going to happen. That that food is not going to get on a plane and go there. Um, the answer to well, I'm those- not
0: talking about exports. I'm just talking about the food that they have. I'm just I just used Philippines as an example mm. because there's heaps of extremely poor people who sometimes go hungry and they yeah. have heaps of food there in the Philippines. I'm not talking about exports to. Yeah, well,
1: that's that's again, that's the right, that's the point. This is a distributional question. If those people weren't poor, they would buy food in priority to other goods and services if they had the money, and then therefore they would have plenty of food because there is enough food but, to yeah. go around.
0: What do you think of the idea that there are certain things that are human rights that are just should be taken out of the market? Like it's it's not a matter of with food; it's not a matter of how much money you have. We just guarantee that everyone gets a certain basic um, you know amount of stuff.
1: Yeah, look in principle, I like that idea. I like it with healthcare because um, you can essentially allocate healthcare by by need quite quite easily, but food is a uh kind of a different story and and the use of money to allocate different types of food at different times to different people seems like really useful to me i i'm still an economist and i still think pricing and markets and, and um, choosing letting people choose uh, has power and i think because there is so much surplus food around on the planet that just redistributing the purchasing power would automatically solve that it would give you that right to food because you would have a right to anything up to some certain amount of income it would be food clothing shelter anything that you could buy so i don't want to see you know um, rationing where everybody gets a right to a kilogram of cheese and a block of this like wartime rations for food i think that's somewhat ineffective and even when those systems are used they end up with uh, a voucher system that looks a lot like money at the end of the day so yeah i i get the i get the um the feeling that it should be a right and that seeing all this food waste while some people go hungry looks like it's an issue with capitalism somehow but every other ism that's ever existed had a lot of inequality and and hunger as well, and I think the trick is to think politically about how we redistribute to make sure everyone's got a minimum income, not just for food, but for shelter and clothing and and all other types of things as well.
0: That's good food for thought. Uh, and next time, more puns coming your way on fresh economic thinking. Uh, thank you very much, Cameron. Uh, look forward to our next chat. Um, and uh, yeah keep the Barneys going
1: great to talk again see you Jonathan